impacts them every day. I think we're going to do a great job. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Modern Man Podcast. And as always, we thank you for the time and we promise not to take it for granted. Before we hop into the episode, I want to ask a favor. If you get value from these podcast episodes, please share this with a friend that you know can also get value from it. It's really the best compliment you can give us. And be sure to leave us a rating so we know how we're doing and hit that subscribe button for a new episode each and every single week. Even further, if you're a man and you love the content here and you want to go deeper, be sure to join our no Nights community. It's a mastermind of entrepreneurs and men like you trying to live their best lives and elevate themselves and their capacity for life to show up as their best selves each and every single day. It's because right here, we have a vision of connecting men in pursuit of their potential. And we do that by putting wind in each other's sails. And we also do that by embracing discomfort and cultivating community. And I'm glad to have Sam Kaber joining us out of St. Cruz, California to put wind in our sails today. Sam, Thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, awesome, Ted. I'm so stoked to be here and um, let's do this. Yeah, awesome. Um, you're, so you're the creator of Soul Life Balance, but before we jump into the episode, I always want to make sure that I give the guest and the audience a little bit of a moment to get acquainted. And I love to hear in the in the guest words, them introduce themselves because I get to identify really what's important. I could do the best I can, but you know yourself better than anybody else. So please, Sam, take the floor really quick and let the audience know who you are and what you do. I appreciate that, Ted. Yeah, I call myself a serial entrepreneur turned spiritual seeker because like titles these days, you know, I don't know how much they resonate anymore, <laughs> but the, and it kind of gives the overall view of what's been going on in my life. But I think we all kind of, kind of understand that when you reach a certain point, level of success and whatever it is, you know, it could be financial or whatever your goals were, you start to seek for something more. And there's an amazing movie by Pixar and Disney called soul. You've probably seen it. Have you seen it, Ted? I have seen it. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. And I think, uh, when that story, that movie came out, it was about a year after I started down the spiritual path, like very much intentionally. And it resonated deeply to my core, because I think a lot of times we find ourselves chasing success. Then we achieve that success and we're like, Oh, I thought I'd feel different. And that's shown time and time again with Super Bowl champions, you know, all types of people that have reached the pinnacle of what they were chasing. For me, my biggest goal I had was to build a business that runs itself without me working in the business. And I did that back in probably 2017, I had a million dollar business still do and was working less than four hours a day. And it was kind of like, okay, this is great. I'm doing a lot of things that I enjoy. I'm living my life. I have work-life balance. I end up being named Silicon Valley's 40 under 40 list at 31 years old, all these different accolades, mm -hmm. but I still felt empty inside. And I went through a numbing depression in about February of 2019. And it was around that time that I did my first breathwork journey, which is just you and your breath for 60 minutes long. I literally felt reborn. A week later, I found myself in a plant medicine ceremony, ayahuasca, if your listeners are familiar with ayahuasca. And then after sitting with the medicine, ayahuasca, that is, 
I was like, show me everything. And I just went blinders on the spiritual path and not to say that I'm not doing business and all that other stuff, but kind of what was born from this whole evolution of questioning was this idea of soul life balance rather than work life balance. So right now my passion is trying to not associate so much my name with soul life balance because it's so much bigger than me because, you know, I suffer from depressive type symptoms, uh, quite frequently. And you mentioned, you know, no rain, no rainbows earlier. And, you know, I am someone who does get affected by the mood. It's sad, you know, seasonal effectiveness disorder and things like that. Um, so anyways, I believe that the reason why we're facing such a mental health crisis, even before the pandemic is because we've severed the connection to something greater than just this human experience. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the essence of soul life balance. I can definitely get more into that, but right now I'm speaking on stages to corporate and talking about how we can bring more mindfulness in the workplace. I wrote my fourth book earlier this year titled soul life balance subtitle, a guide to igniting and integrating spiritual awakenings. So that's kind of a brief overview. Nice. And, and, and what I'm hearing uh, is, is kind of the, the circle and the cycle that so many people go through and so many guys go through of that ambition, that desire of reaching these accolades, right? You, you talk about Silicon Valley's 40 under 40 at age 31, uh, building a business that operates on itself, a million dollar business. And so many of us, we we aim for these goals, these these milestones and these checkpoints only to find out it's a false peak. Right. For anyone who's familiar with mountain climbing, the false peak is when you think you're about to get to the top. But when you get that to that top in the vantage, you realize that there's still more of the mountain to go. And there's always another rung. There's always another level. What was missing? Let, let's let's go back. And, and when you think of in 2017 or in 2019, when, when things really started hitting, what do you think was missing? If you had the accolades, you had the money. What was lacking? Yeah, hundred percent. I was very much in the conditioning and programming of society and doing all the things I thought I was supposed to be doing rather than doing the things that I truly want to be doing. And that really manifested in being a workaholic, just like addicted to work, even, even working less than four hours a day. Like I still found myself always working because I was doing the podcasts and content creation, all this other stuff, because it was fun. You know, I considered yeah. that stuff fun because it wasn't necessarily making me money. Right. Mm -hmm. It was just like, yeah, I sell branded merchandise swag for a living. The company's called Swagworks, And it was kind of a lead funnel because we had a show called what up Silicon Valley, my co-host and I, and we would interview movers and shakers in Silicon Valley. I'd bring the swag, you know, to our guests as a thank you, like just some brand stuff with either our logo or their logo, then um, my co-host would be like, oh yeah, we call them Swag Sam, you know, whatever. And they go, oh, why don't we buy our swag from you? So they end up buying from me, which was nice. You know, it was great. So it kind of did funnel. But at the end of the day, like, that stuff was more fun. I didn't really consider it working. And even on the weekends, I would find myself like working on the business, right. And setting new goals and just finding ways to keep myself busy. Also, fantasy football was a huge part of my life. And I never really loved fantasy football, mm -hmm. but I did because I was addicted to it. Right. And you know, that's what my friends and all of us were doing. So really this whole, like, unraveling and getting into spirituality has been an unlearning and really looking at all of the conditioning of society. And now like, 
you know, I'm a Niners fan. And it's funny because around this time of when this started, the Niners weren't good. Right. And now in recent years, Niners have made the Super Bowl. They just won the division last night, probably since 2019, I would say I've probably watched less than five total NFL games, you know, and before I was that guy on the couch all day with my buddies or whatever, watching football and, you know, watching Monday night football, Thursday night football, all the things and constantly. And now I'm like, Oh, I could care less. And when I watch TV now and like see the commercials, it's so clear, like seeing the conditioning of society and it truly does make me sick. So I think uh, just my long winded way of answering this is there's so much programming and and conditioning that it's a process of unraveling and unlearning and really finding out for ourselves, like, what do I want? And that's Mm -hmm. been where I've been sitting the past few years. Yeah. And that's, it's crazy how how difficult of a question that is to answer, right? Like, what do I want? It's something that seems so simple, but to your point, we are so used to the conditioning and some people, uh, especially some of the guys listening to the quote unquote, nice guys might be used to people pleasing so much so that when it comes to, Hey, what do you want? You don't know what you want because you've been so used to pleasing others. You've been so used to being programmed and being socially conditioned. Uh, and you mentioned something that we, a concept that we've talked about before about the concept of unlearning, right? It's important to learn new skills, but it's also important to be humble enough and, and be willing to unlearn certain things. You've been talking about the conditioning of society and so some of the social programming that we have. Before we can I, before we can unlearn things, we need we need to first identify them. So, from your perspective, when you watch these commercials, when you see things on TV, what are some of the social conditionings that you see that's being programmed into some of, some of our young boys, some of the men that might be listening, which we might not be consciously aware of right now. Yeah, there's a few things that come up for me right now. And one is pharmaceuticals, just thinking like that's an easy thing to grab at because I can't think of any recent like commercials because I try not to watch TV. And I think like most people these days, you know, most of what I watch anyways, when I watch is streamed and it doesn't have commercials. I mean, unless you're watching like a sporting game or something, it seems like most people don't really watch like traditional cable where there's commercials, right? You know what I mean? That's kind of like phasing out a little bit. (laughs) It's yeah, it is an interesting little uh, time period we're under, but pharmaceuticals are an easy thing to grab at. And the other one that came up was materialism. So I'll start with pharmaceuticals. And as you can probably tell, as your guests can probably tell, I'm more of the path of holistic healing. And whether that includes like plant medicine, psychedelic use, or just yoga and mindfulness and meditation or breath work and, you know, getting out in nature, things like that. I think there are so many other paths to go rather than looking at big pharma. And I just saw a stat a few days ago, I forget what it is, but it was just saying how much uh, big pharma made in the past year, a few years and how they haven't put anything out about like living a healthy life. Right. It's all like get on these pills or there's an amazing documentary uh, called what the health. Have you seen that one? I have not, but I'm writing it down and I'll be sure to share that resource. Yeah. Yeah. What the health guys. And it's uh, actually produced by Joaquin Phoenix, which is interesting, Mm -hmm. but it's basically about this guy. It's a documentary where he goes on this whole quest to really figure out like what is healthy and what's not. And as he's going through it, he starts to map out like how the... I'm not going to name any specific associations because I might get it wrong, but like a lot of these different health associations that we think are trying to help us are putting like 
unhealthy recipes on their website and how they're backed. Like he did research and shows how they're backed up by like big farmer, big companies and things like that. Now they don't want our, our best interests and really like how the site is going to thrive is keeping us not questioning the system, keeping us happy and distracted by watching football and, you know, doing the cheering yeah. on these games and these teams and outsourcing our happiness because when a team wins or loses, we had nothing to do with it at the end of the day, but we act like it's our success and our failure and it's ridiculous and it's always rubbed me the wrong way but i never really you know made the time to look at that till i did the deep dive with plant medicines and spirituality the second part of that is materialism and i'm someone personally who falls under this trap so often and i'm such a work in progress there's a brand called chubbies have you heard of chubbies the, the short shorts, the, the yeah. bathing suits. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I also call myself a recovering bro as well, but like, I love Chubby's my favorite brand. Like everything they make is just incredible. It's so good. And like most of what I own clothing wise is Chubby's. So their email marketing is amazing. And every, they almost email every day. And like, I look at that, I'm like, Oh my God, I need that. Oh, sale. I need that. And it's like, no, I don't What am I doing here. Right. So I found myself over the years, whether it's chubbies or just, uh, you know, buying a brand new car, whatever it might be like kind of outsourcing my happiness in these materialistic items. Right. Mm -hmm. And that is part of the conditioning of society where we're, we're made to not feel enough. So, and we look at these brands and we're like, Oh, if I get a $300 North face or Patagonia jacket, I'm, I'm going to feel so much better and I'm going to feel good about myself. It's all BS, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. And I always tell you about, you know, for people that wear brands, you know, as, as guys and a lot of men listening to this and, and ladies too, you know, wearing a big name brand on your chest or, or whatnot is kind of marketing other people with that. Yeah shows almost that you might not have your full identity. And as I've gotten older, I noticed that the, you know, those t-shirts that used to say Abercrombie across the front and all yeah. that, like, or I would wear a guest shirt when like you hear, you see the big letters. Now I'm, I'm more of a plain black V-neck, plain white V-neck, maybe a polo, very minimum branding on the clothes that I wear. Cause I don't need to be a billboard for brands. I have my identity. I have my personal brand that I'm focused on and I don't need to kind of identify with something else to feel value, which to your point, when we talk about materialism, how many times do we think, man, if I just got this car, if I just got this house, if I just got this, I would it'd be so good if I could just get this set up. And we end up having so many things that pile up and connect collect dust <laughs> and yeah. and it's it's so cluttered in our lives around us that our minds become cluttered with the amount of things that we have and the, and the unfortunate thing is when that shiny new thing wears off we get bored of it and we look for the next thing um i want to talk about prioritizing ourselves because a lot of what you're saying and kind of what you touched on when you kind of shifted over from instead of a work-life balance a soul life balance is you know what i want like what do i want and for so many people that's so hard and at first it would probably come in terms of we need to put ourselves first we need to put ourselves as a priority in our lives and really look in the mirror, really take the time, do that deep work of identifying what it is our soul is asking for, not just what our mind is or asking for, or just our physical bodies. What is our soul asking for? What does that process look like? Yeah, it's such a great question. Well, I like to start uh, just kind of big picture here with the archetypal energies of yin and yang. And most of us are pretty familiar with this. And um, are you familiar with like the archetypal energies of the masculine and the feminine? Yes, I am. 
Yeah. So this is always an interesting thing to talk about, especially with men. So for anyone listening, if you've heard this before, if you haven't heard this before, just bear with me here. But I like to, we all have the archetypal energies of masculine and feminine within us. And I'm not talking about genitalia. You have to make that very clear. So what I like to talk about, especially since I speak in my demographic is like corporate, right? You can't really talk about that type of stuff, <laughs> right? So I talk about yin being equated with the archetypal energy of yin or yin being equated with the archetypal energy with the feminine, which is about receptivity, intuition, fluid fluidity and all these different things it's about our inner world it's really about our connection to the soul and our higher self something outside and bigger than this human experience whereas yang or the archetypal energy of the masculine is how we show up in the world it's what we do it's the human doing as opposed to the yin being the human being so if we look at work-life balance we can so clearly see that there's way too much yang energy and that we're out of balance because work is about obligations, it's about deadlines, it's about how we show up, what we do. Life is the same thing. Most of us let life pass by and we don't actually make time for ourselves. And then there's obligations, whether it's, you know, with your pets, your kids or anything else you got to do, take care of your health. All this type of stuff is that yang or archetypal energy, the masculine. So what I said earlier about having the severed connection from our soul, there it is right there because we've been conditioned to think, oh, I need work-life balance. But what does that actually mean? We don't actually live a work-life life and a personal life. For those of you who have seen the Apple TV show Severed, have you seen that? Mm -mm. Have you heard of it? No, I haven't. This one's so fascinating from this lens talking about like work-life balance, because what it basically is about is the like make a modification in the brain where when the person goes to work, they don't know anything about their personal life. And then when the person goes home, they don't know anything about their work life. So that is like that. the perfect demonstration of the only way we could have a quote unquote personal life and a work life. It's different. Otherwise for the rest of us, we are living one life. There's no work life and there's no personal life. It's one life. So that's why I recategorize work under life and then put the connection to soul, which is that archetypal energy of yin or the feminine first and foremost, because that's about going within in your inner world. So that's kind of a little bit more about soul life balance. In terms of actually how to go within, there are so many different modalities and it's kind of like almost like a, a buffet, trying different things and see what works for you and then not pressuring yourself to try every single thing or to stack it up like a to-do list because the work of going within and the spiritual journey is really a undoing. It's more about being. So when people talk about like, oh yeah, I'm going to start my day with uh, meditation, then I'm going to journal about my meditation. I'm going to do breath work and then I'm going to go out and do yoga. And then, you know, all these things that are supposed to be like helping their inner world, well, now they're just cluttering more things that they need to do. So it's kind of counterintuitive. So I actually had an amazing conversation with a buddy yesterday. And what he was saying is his morning routine is checking in with himself in the morning and saying, hey, what do I need in the right in the moment right now. And I'm like, yes, that's it right there. Because for me, that's really how simple it is. At the end of the day, this life I do believe is very simple. We've just overcomplicated it to such a 
a drastic degree that we we don't know anymore so mm -hmm. it's all about slowing down and like i mentioned breath work meditation yoga journaling getting outside in nature um you know outdoor activity all these type of things that really feed your souls as simple as asking like how can i feed my soul today you know yeah and and honestly it's it's a practice. And, and this is a, a good friend of mine was telling me about the reason it's called a practice is because it's a practice. You practice doing it. It's not, you do it once and it's done, or you have to have to do it. It's always going to be a work in progress. And I've just started my journey with breath work and mm -hmm. cold plunges. And I've been meditating for a while. Now the meditation and, and the breath work has been a game changer for me. And even a night like last night, it was maybe 43 degrees out and it was cold, dreary and rainy. And I looked at my wife and I'm like, I think I'm going to do a, a quick cold plunge in my ice barrel. And she's like, it's already cold out there. Like, why would you want to go in the ice barrel? And I was like, just, I'm just going to do it. And lo and behold, I went out there and I remember looking in the mirror, Sam. And um, my initial thought was, I don't want to do this. Right. I was like, oh man, I don't want to do this. And then I thought to myself, I'm looking in the mirror through this whole process and I'm like, well, you're just going to go out there for a couple minutes and come back. How bad is it going to be? Not that bad. Right. Like I'm literally giving myself almost like a pep talk in the mirror, but it was just one of those things where it was the question of, is this going to be beneficial for you? Yeah. How did you feel the last time you took an ice bath? Great afterwards. Okay. So what are you afraid of? It's going to be cold for how long? Two, three minutes. Oh, that's not bad. And literally I just walk out, I got in the ice bath. And then when I got out, I'm like putting the cover back on and everything. And Jess is like, you're very calm for someone who was just sitting in 45 <laughs> degree water for like three and a half, four minutes. But it was one of those things that was invigorating afterwards because I didn't force myself to do it. I checked in with myself. Was this something I wanted to do? I gave my permission, myself permission to say no. But when you take off that pressure, it becomes more of a willingness. And I think that's where the value really comes into play for anybody that might be hesitant about getting started. What did your spiritual journey look like at first? What did that look like is, you know, getting introduced to it? Yeah. Uh, you, I might ask you, ask me the question again, because I just want to comment like that's, that's awesome. I love sure. that you just shared that that resonates so much. And I think that's really helpful what you said. And, and in terms of the practice, I didn't mention that as well, but the other thing I want to talk about with work-life balance is we think about it like this end destination, like it's somewhere that we're going to achieve one day. Mm -hmm. That is something I talk about. Soul life balance it is a practice. It's something that we check in and we're practicing every day. It's not perfection. It's just about awareness and your story perfectly embodies that in terms of how to get started. That was the question, right? Yeah, it was. How, how did I get started? Yeah. What would it look like yeah. for you early on? Yeah. So yeah, we'll go into this and um, feel free to uh, jump in at any time because uh, I'll probably ramble on here as I do. But uh, back in 2019 and February, whatever it was, that numbing depression, you know, it was that type of thing where... I wasn't really sleeping at night, like maybe a couple hours and I'd wake up with energy, but it wasn't energy of like, yeah, let's do this and enthusiastic. It was more like just this alertness. And it was just, it was, it was an out of body experience in itself. And for no other reason than just 
feeling numb. And I had felt that before a few times in my life. The main one that comes up is when a good friend, uh, hung himself when we were in the living room he did in the bedroom and trying to make sense of that it was a Sorry, numbing bro. depression well, yeah thank you uh, it's you know we've all had different tra traumatic things so you know we don't compare trauma but still yeah yeah anyways though um so in 2019 with this numbing depression you know it kind of reminded me of that and it was over a relationship mostly but as i unpacked it more i started to realize like that was just the thing that got me to look really there was so much more in my life as we've been talking about and around that time I was prospecting on LinkedIn, trying to sell swag people, right? And this woman responds to me and I get on a call with her. And then she starts saying this stuff about how she can tell I'm like spiritual or whatever, all this stuff. And I'm like, I just started meditating a year ago. And I was, I was like, I always felt spiritual. I never knew there was like a spiritual path you could go down. Mm -hmm. It was just like, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about in my head, lady. Right. And then she invites me to a cacao ceremony. I'm like, what the heck is that? And she starts telling me about, you know, the raw form of chocolate and cacao, this medicine. And uh, during the ceremony, you meditate, you do breath work, you do a little bit of stretching and the sharing circle, all this type of stuff. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And I remember reaching out to a friend. She had a podcast on our network because we had a media company at the time. And hers was kind of more into spirituality and mindfulness. And I told her about it. And she said, that sounds awesome. And I was like, you want to go? She's like, yeah. So we went together and it blew my mind because I'd mm -hmm. never been in like a ceremony type setting. And especially like anyone that is identifies feeling more like macho or like bro-y or something like that. Like you'd probably be like, you know, making fun of it when you're yeah. younger. So there was a lot of like just inner turmoil of like identity and what am I doing and all this type of stuff. But I surrendered to that and it was an amazing experience. After that, my friend mentioned to the facilitator that she was going to do ayahuasca for the first time in a week or two. So I had heard about ayahuasca about a year previous, but I was scared out of my mind. I was like, one day I'll probably do that for sure. But like, it, like life is good. I don't need to do that. Like that sounds <laughs> nuts. Right. Um, and then one of my friends said she was going to do it. I followed her journey. You know, I took her out to dinner just to recount her ceremony and everything else. And from the dinner table, I um, got the contact information of the people doing it. And they also do breathwork um, sessions one-on-one. -on -one. So I booked a breathwork session with them. I had the most profound experience on breathwork. I literally felt reborn. My body was vibrating so hard. And I know this is graphic and it doesn't sell breathwork, but <laughs> it felt like I was having a seizure and I was going to die. And like having the facilitator there, like talking me through it and getting through it, was the most euphoric feeling at the time, even though like it sounds violent saying having, like it felt like I was having a seizure, mm -hmm. uh, literally felt reborn. I didn't know what people meant when they say like feeling light until that experience. And I was like, oh my God, I, I understand what they mean by feeling light. And it was so impactful that a week later when I was 
supposed to do ayahuasca, I was actually thinking maybe I won't do this. Um, but I end up doing it anyways. And ayahuasca is really what took me to that next level. I had two nights of ayahuasca and then, um, I remember just going like this first night, just being like over and over in my head. It's so simple. It's so simple. It's so simple. And seeing so many signs and synchronicities and things that I wasn't privy to before. And then, um, from there I did a mushroom ceremony uh, like two weeks afterwards. Cause they said it's good integration at time. I was like, fuck, I love mushrooms. I did those a bunch in high school and <laughs> I love those in college. I haven't done that forever. And I remember walking up to like, um, the, the place and, I said something to the facilitator and I don't remember what he said. And he goes, no, not like that. Like that would be a party. And I was like, wait, what is this then? Cause I didn't understand. It was like a ceremony, like ayahuasca. I thought it was more like recreational use. Cause at the time I was so new to all this, but it was a ceremony very much just like ayahuasca. And that took me to another edge. So from there, I just kept going deeper and deeper and deeper. Of course, I started working with more plant medicines. I started to get more intertwined with spiritual communities. I created my latest podcast called Soul Seeker, which launched that fall in 2019. Um, and then I kept going deeper on the path and just learned to follow and trust my intuition. I found myself in a yoga teacher training in Costa Rica mm -hmm. last year, not wanting to teach yoga, not knowing why I was going, just following the signs and trusting my intuition. And, you know, since January, I've been teaching yoga at least once a week, if not more at the studio here in town. And I facilitate men's groups twice a twice a month. So my life has just completely transformed since then. And I'm grateful for, it. and just learning to trust your intuition really. Yeah. What was it in the first event that, that had you look for more? What was it in that very first event? Cause you mentioned kind of like, you know, that identity, like I would have made fun of this beforehand, the very first trickle before going deeper, what was it that had you thinking, let me figure out more about this. Yeah, it was it was the cacao ceremony, you know, not really knowing why, like, and I can talk about soul contracts, but like, I didn't know about the term soul contracts at the time. But I, I did feel like there's something it wasn't just this woman trying to sell me like it did feel like a spiritual moment. So I was learning to trust my intuition, not knowing it. And then um, from there, just, just, I was at this broken state where I was like, I'll do anything, you know? And I think that's why I said earlier about pharmaceuticals, because like I could have gone that path. Right. But for most people I've talked with that have been on SSRIs, antidepressants for a period of time, they've talked about how it kind of makes them feel like a zombie. And from the way they've described it, I was like, that's what my numbing depressions feel like, like, are you kidding? Um, anyways, though, yeah, I mean, What's a I don't soul believe contract? we need that stuff. What's a soul contract? Yeah. Yeah. So a soul contract, very esoteric for sure. But basically, you know, and all this stuff, these are my beliefs that I'm not speaking in absolute truths, but basically the idea is before we incarnate onto this planet, we choose who we're going to incarnate with and the type of scenarios we're going to play out with them. So very much like your parents, your children, your relationships, especially romantic, all of those are soul contracts. And then also like 
you and I connecting and doing a podcast. Like we have a contract and I can tell we're going to uh, do more work together. And, you know, I'd love to have you on my podcast as well. So that's kind of like the idea of a sole contract. And I think a lot of times when we're processing either a death or any sort of grief, it could be a romantic partnership that's ending anything like that at all, starting to go down that path of soul contracts and understanding and looking at that really helps to process and make more sense uh, of what was going on in that specific scenario. And for more information, uh, what's her name? Uh, Carolyn Mace, it's uh spell it's spelt carolyn and it's spelt miss uh, i can get you the information but it's pronounced carolyn mace that's her name she wrote a book called sacred contracts it's amazing on audible she reads it and it's more of like going off the cuff and it's very engaging so i highly recommend checking out the book sacred contracts by carolyn mace on audible if anyone's at all curious in learning more about soul contracts Absolutely. Um, I, I I love it, Sam. And, and, and we appreciate your, your transparency in that journey because, you know, it's, it's intimidating for a lot of people who might be at a place in life where they're thinking, you know, uh, something's got to give. And we look so much at, okay, what's next, right? You know, if I look and audit my life, well, maybe I just need a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. That's going to be a race that never ends. And a lot of times what we're asking for is to be filled, fill our cup. Mm-hmm. And we mentioned about, you know, you, you mentioned no such thing as work-life balance. A lot of what we do when we come home from work is, is sit down, fill up a glass of wine or pop open a beer, whatever we do to, you know, kick back. And, you know, I've earned this relaxation, but the, the problem is there are so many people who are not fulfilled at work who don't feel purposely connected to the work that they're doing in their nine to five. And then they come home and they try and spend that time forgetting about it or numbing the feelings that they have around it. And they don't really get to fill up their cup. So a lot of what you talk about is, is really kind of feeding the soul. What does it look like to feed the soul? That's one of my last questions in terms of like, if someone's listening right now uh, and, and let's say they might be more, hesitant and maybe more reluctant to do the herbal plant medicines, the mushrooms mm-hmm. or cacao. I mean, I know cacao is very bitter and uh, I've not done a cacao yet, but I've heard about it and, and been looking a little bit more into that. But for someone that might be reluctant to maybe go that deep into their spiritual journey, but at the very least, they're at the point of almost like, you know, I'll, I'll do anything or I'm, I'm, I'll do something because what I've been doing so far hasn't worked. How can we feed our soul? Yeah, I'll uh, provide a link to you where your listeners can uh, book a call with me. No obligation strings attached because I love to have these conversations, but I'll also answer it as well. Um, and before I do, I wanted to mention on cacao and there's, oh, shoot, what was it? Oh, humaning. Okay. One more thing I wanted to talk about was humaning uh, because when you're talking about like coming home, having a glass of wine, all this type of stuff. And I think for some of your listeners that might already be on the path or just in general, it's a good thing to know if you start to go down this path, because I had to learn it by myself, but a lot of people start to become very like righteous in their spiritual journey. (laughs) Kind of like what I was talking about before, like doing all these things. And, you know, it almost feels like a competitive nature of how flowery language you can use and that's not me. I, I very much am grounded and keep it real. And I think a lot of people in terms of soul life balance, 
the majority of our society needs more of that soul side, but then a lot, cause they're stuck in like just the matrix and the doing and all that. Mm-hmm. But then on the spiritual side, a lot of those people need more of the life side because they're not actually grounded in the 3d and no judgment on either side. It's just something I've noticed. So one thing I talk about within spiritual circles is humaning, which basically means indulging in your unconscious behaviors and patterns and hobbies and all that just to chill the fuck out because so many of us just get caught up in like doing the work and it's like no be a human like tonight i told uh my partner i was like hey tonight's tequila night because we just got these um these uh salt uh you know the himalayan salt lamps yeah yeah, yeah. so there's a company that uh had a sale once again had a sale black friday all this type <laughs> of stuff right and, and i'm on their email list i'm like well let's see what they got oh they have himalayan salt shot glasses oh that sounds great for tequila because we like tequila and they just arrived so you know <laughs> there was a long time where i didn't drink at all and it was great it was really good but also it's it's good to still be human and like if i'm in a social setting like say a Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner, because at the time of this recording, it is, um, you know, that time. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's okay. I'm not going to shame myself and be like, Oh, I can't do this because I'm too spiritual. So I think it's an important thing to talk about cacao. Um, just so everyone knows there's no hallucinogenic effects. Cacao is hundred percent legal, all that type of stuff. It's known as more of a heart opener. It's very subtle. Um, I tend to have a higher resistance when it comes to medicines or whatever you want to call it, substances, whatever. Um, so for me, I've never really felt like the cacao, like heart opener, but like last night I, I led a breath work session for a client. And then after that, you know, it takes a lot of energy. I had a glass of wine and steak dinner. And then when I'm putting the five-year-old to bed and kind of unwinding, I'm like, okay, I'm going to make a nice little glass or mug of cacao. And it's just like kind of soothing, you know, it's, it helps to like kind of wind down almost like tea. And it also gives that chocolate fix. Yes, it is bitter, but you can put like some oat milk or, you know, even stevia, anything else in it. Um, anyways, all that to say, sorry for the long windedness. Your question was again, can you remind me? Yeah. Uh, what would someone do to feed their soul? Right. And oh yeah. Start feeding their soul. That's easy. Exactly. Like you said, Ted, with the ice bath, like, you know, having that real conversation, like, Hey, I want to do this thing because there is a level of hunting and chasing that discomfort, right. Which would be the masculine energy. That would be the yang. But also like, once you get over that and you get in the hump and you're in the ice bath and you're surrendering to what is that's like that feminine right so the whole process that you described in terms of like okay i want to do this thing but i'm also going to allow myself not to do if this is an alignment like you did a mental check-in of awareness and that's all it is like can we trace our thoughts i wrote an amazing blog on thought tracing and there's a practice in psychotherapy called internal family systems known as parts work. And it's about making, forming relationships with the voices in our head, because we've been conditioned to think that we're weird and different if we have voices in our head. But the truth is we all have voices in our head and really what they want is to be seen, heard and witnessed. And when we can step into our inner kingdom and act as the king, hear this voice, acknowledge it as a voice, maybe even giving it a name, we start to slow down 
build this awareness, we start to clear the mind. And then from there, we can start to receive what it is that we would like to do to feed our soul. Or maybe the question, another way to look at last one is, uh, highest uh excitement there's a a man a spiritual teacher named bashar and he talks about the formula and the formula is basically in any situation we can do this or that right we could do maybe more than two things obviously what is going to bring my highest excitement okay i'm going to do that thing that's how you feed your soul any of these ways are great but at the end of the day it's about bringing more awareness to the present moment that reminds me, and it was such a great question when somebody said, they said, Ted, when was the last time you felt the most alive, right? Because mm -hmm. it was, I was like, you know, I'm trying to figure out, you know, what's my purpose, what direction to go in. They said, here, it's simple. When was the last time? Think back, audit your memory, you felt most alive. And, and Sam, it was something as simple as throwing little foam footballs at a high school football game for uh, the TV channel I was working for. You know, just having all those smiling faces, being able to give something that was beneficial to them right and and being in front of that crowd and saying and pointing and them doing the wave and stuff it felt good um and a lot of times some people might be afraid to share that because they think of ego right oh you just want to be in front of a crowd but i'm the kind of person that gets energized by others i love hearing stories i love hearing conversations part of why i do the podcast right and when my friend said well replicate that that's when i started planning my live conference and having that conference, all the guys that came in for that modern man conference back in January, 2020, before everything got shut down, that was the actualization of, wow, I do feel alive for this. And it was my feedback of understanding. This is what my soul is asking for. So everything I do is how can I replicate that? How can I lean into that? How can I build that? And how can I have that experience again? Because from the from doing it i've literally have had my cup filled i've never recorded a podcast and then afterwards felt drained after right mm -hmm. so this is this is what's feeding my cup filling my cup and feeding my soul and paying attention to that has been so helpful so i really hope that our listeners and, and folks watching on youtube could take that that to heart and really think to themselves you know what is going to give me the most excitement right now this has been amazing, Sam, and I want to make sure you even send out the invite for people to have the conversation with you, continue to talk if they're looking at maybe exploring their spiritual journey, getting a little bit more comfortable with it, or maybe they're already deep in their spiritual journey looking to go even deeper. How can folks connect with you, contact you and follow some of the work you're doing? Yeah, thank you so much, Ted. And I'd love to connect with you guys. Absolutely. Um, I will send Ted the Calendly link for just a free conversation, just check in and just, you know, a real one on one for sure. But uh, my website, samkabert.com. That's Kabert, K A B as in boy, E R T, samkabert.com. There you will find links to everything I'm up to, social media links. Uh, I believe there's a free download on there as well. I don't remember what it is. I think I recently changed it. But yes, yeah, samkaber.com is where all the magic happens absolutely and i'll have those links in the show notes below for feeks for folks to uh check out and and share uh, last question and this is the heavy what heaviest one and i usually save it for the end and and i love the genuine answers that i get from it and um and i have a feeling that that we're going to get a great answer from you sam um it's simply what has been something that you've seen or experienced in life that shapes the way you see the world as a man Oh, as a man. Okay. I was like, easy ayahuasca <laughs> as a man, <laughs> as a man specifically. Um, and it could, I mean, it could I, still be ayahuasca. No, you will. No, I, I would say my dad, you know, I think, um, 
I think there's a lot of people in this that I've met, especially in men's work that might not have had like a father figure. And it's really brought more gratitude and love and appreciation for my dad. We did something called Indian guides. Have you heard of that as a kid? No, it was the Tim Allen had a movie. Maybe it was called man of the house. I don't remember it was in the nineties, but it showed Indian guides in like a mainstream movie. And we were already doing Indian guides, but even now, like people most time don't really know Indian guides it's like a much more nature focus and like version of boy scouts it's Mm -hmm. not all buttoned up it's very much more like why like you know fun for a kid and cool and all that but we did that and he's just been always great and my dad's an amazing man and you know he's taught me to be the man i am today and for i think the these past few years doing so much soul development work looking at um different people i interact with and whatnot it's just like yeah, like I really did have a great upbringing by both of my parents, my mom as well. But in terms of like man specifically, like, um, yeah, I would say my dad for sure. Yeah, I appreciate that, man, because I know a lot of people um, either feel the void of maybe not having the father or maybe they have a father that they've been trying to please or or whatever the relationship might be. We have so many so many influences in our lives and to be able to you know acknowledge some of the blessings that we have some of the some of the the opportunities we have for the times and the people that in our lives it's definitely it's huge and it really does shape us so sam i appreciate you sharing that man thank you ted appreciate you having me on the podcast brother and look forward to staying connected with you yeah, no, absolutely. It's been an absolute pleasure. And, and I'm actually going to share some of the nuggets that you you left along the way for the listeners, because I know a lot of folks listen while driving or operating machinery or, or doing something around the house and, and seeking something else. Right. And, and you mentioned something that so many people go through. So many of us go through as men in terms of sure, we we write our goals down, we crush our goals, we get the accolades and we get the awards but it just isn't enough. It doesn't fill us up. And, and that's because our body, our souls, our, our minds, we're, we're seeking something else. And, and unfortunately we've been conditioned by society, the conditions of society, the pharmaceuticals, the materialism. And, and a lot of times the pharmaceuticals and the materialisms is attacking the symptoms, not the core or the issue. So we could, we could, we could numb the symptoms all we want, but if we don't attack the core of the cause, of those symptoms, then we're going to continue to to be left wanting. And what the health documentary definitely to check out the concept of the yin and the yang, or the feminine and the masculine. We've talked about the feminine masculine energies, and for me, tapping into my feminine energy has been huge in being present. Has been huge in in me analyzing more in real time of how I feel and getting in touch with my emotions, but also helping me better operate and show up in the world because. I'm no longer ignoring that side of myself. Uh, we're living one life. There is no work-life balance. It's all one. And your soul is going to be asking to be fed. Um, what do I need in this moment right now? It's not going to be perfect. Your spiritual journey. And of course, understanding the concept of sacred con- uh, contracts for some people in that space where they'll do anything, maybe taking that first step towards meditation, breath work, and finding a little bit of solace through holistic work, and then trace your thoughts. And of course, what will give you the highest excitement? Listen to that intuition. Listen to the, your soul in that. 
Sam, thank you again to the listeners, to the audience. Thank you for rocking with us throughout this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, again, the best compliment you can give us is by sharing this with a friend who you also think will get value from it. Leave us a rating to let us know how we're doing and hit that subscribe button to get a new episode each and every single week from our amazing guests like Sam and others. And we hope to see you next week for the next one. But as we always say at the end of the episode, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain. But you can't get the pleasure without first the pain. Let's grow.